everyone, welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas past to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zhao Wong, Head of Content. In today's episode, we're talking all about the red lip. From the kind you wear, with Mecca Education Manager for Makeup, Jen Horsley, to the one on our new packaging with artist Amber Victoria. a little bit about the new packaging Zara obviously we've worked super closely on it but why what is it about that red lip that brings everything to life it's kind of like the iconic statement it's like you know the mecca kiss it's a little kiss to our to our customers exactly it's so nice because like you know behind the scenes we've been seeing it we've been working on it for quite some time so it's so amazing to see it out and about and like when you see someone on the street holding the new bags yeah I love it and with the red lip the iconic red lip let's think about some of the people in history that have had that you know who've worn the red lip with such sort of power and confidence who who comes to your mind I feel like you think of a lot of like the 50s kind yeah, of Marilyn actresses and you know, it's all sultry and, I mean, you think of, it's such like a red carpet kind of look. Do you wear red lipstick? Do you know what? I'm a real sort of smoky eye, nude lip person. Um, but sometimes the only colour I would wear is a red lip, but it has to be the right red lip. Yeah, it's getting that right red, whether yeah. it's like blue toned, orange, or but you can play with textures as well. What, what do you look for in a red lip? So actually I've just bought the Charlotte Tilbury, I think it's the red carpet red lip or Hollywood red lip. Um, and it's a really strong red lip that I think has got the right amount of blue in there that suits my skin tone. Um, I think anything too orangey or too pink looks terrible on me. So the colour I have to go for is like a really um, sort of classic red. Mm. So, And I would wear that with just white shirt and jeans and I'd feel pretty pulled together. So I think with a red lip, it, for me, it's a real statement. I One of my colleagues or our colleagues in the office, um, Sam Bain, she wears a red lip just every day and it looks fab. And I'm just like, I want to be like yeah, you. It really lifts the face and adds a hint of colour. And yeah. it kind of also makes you feel a bit more dressed up, even if you're dressed quite plainly. Yeah, so I feel quite sort of envious of people who can wear a red lip very easily for me I feel a bit like oh I'm wearing a red lip you wear a red lip pretty easily as well Zara which do you wear I love hourglass hourglass confessions it's have you seen the packaging I feel like you'd be really into the packaging yeah I love it's really sleek it's really thin so it fits really easily in your bag when you go out and I wear it in secret and that's quite like a classic red but a bit of brightness to it Mm -hmm. and I also like anything in like a dark deep red as well Kind of depends on what I'm wearing, how I'm feeling. Yeah, well, let's. Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to try wearing red lips to work and see if everyone's like, "Whoa, <laughs> hey, what's <laughs> happened to you? You look really different." Um, but I think I think you're either a nude lip or red lip person, or you know, well, I feel like I am, and so it's just breaking out of habit and routine half the time. Yeah, just trying something new. And for all our listeners, we also want to know what your signature red lip is. So let us know in the review. So Zara with the red lip. When, you know, I think it's quite a memorable um, statement to make. Have there been any moments for you where you've worn a red lip and thought, and, and it's sort of, you know, every time you think back to that moment, it really captures something. Oh, that's a good question. I think when I used to travel a lot for work and you'd land somewhere and you'd been on like a 12 hour flight, you just need to like quickly get changed, but throw on something that you've got in your wardrobe that's 
not wardrobe, your suitcase yeah. that doesn't need too much ironing and you want to look really pulled together quickly, I think a red lip works wonders. And yeah. that's what I always lean on time and time again. And I feel like I've got the kind, I always joke, I've got the kind of face where I can pull off heavy eye makeup and red lipstick at the same time. So I feel like when I, you know, put on a smoky, a smoky eye, do a red lip, it does make me look a lot more like dressed and ready to go out. Yeah, How about you? gorgeous. So I, there's one memory I have very strongly of a red lip and that was actually the night before I got married and what I was obviously really stressed probably hadn't slept very much was feeling really like excited but nervous and all the things and so you know quite classic me white shirt and pair of jeans and I was going to have a quite casual dinner and red lips and there's a picture of me with my bridesmaid um and I will always remember that feeling of, do you know what? I'm. Uh, this is quite a big moment for me. I want to go into this sort of night before I get married and feel confident and strong and empowered. And so I do think a red lipstick has been used as that kind of feminist tactic over the years. Um, and I think really there's a lot of history behind it. Um, and even in like 1912, women would wear red lips to equal rights marches to gain attention. So I think there is some real historical meaning behind that feeling of power and empowerment that you have from, you know, being a strong woman with a strong lip and sort of embracing your femininity. Yeah, I mean, because when you wear a red lipstick, you're not really a shrinking violet. You're really like going out there. And Elizabeth Arden would actually pass out free tubes of red lipstick to women along Fifth Avenue during the suffragette march route in New York City. I love that. So why, just because you're sort of, you know, fighting for your rights, can you not stand out as a strong beautiful powerful woman and I think that is so symbolic exactly and some said it actually terrorized men good (laughs) (laughs) it's good to put a bit of fear in them (laughs) bit of fear is healthy we probably have to cut that um so before we chat to Amber let's get some tips on how to find and wear your perfect red lip from Jen Horsley Hi, Jen. Hi, Sarah. Kate is feeling a little under the weather today, so it's just us for now. She'll be back later for our chat with Amber. Do you personally wear red lipstick? Some people are and some people aren't a red lipstick person. I do. I'm, I wear any lipstick. I'm that gal, but definitely a red when I want to feel a certain way. Definitely. Yeah. And how does that make you feel? Red, I really feel it. It's the color of life. It's the color of vibrancy, right? Whenever anyone sees red, they have an emotion. So I think it really translates into beauty and the way that people feel almost emotional when they wear a red. Mm. I think it's that effortlessly chic kind of product in in a beauty routine that, you know, when you put it on, you're going to feel really, really powerful, really confident. Um, It is a a commitment and it is a statement, but it's a really easy statement to make, I think. And do you think that's why it is so popular? Because it makes people, it really like ignites a certain feeling in people. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it demands, it, de- it demands attention. It demands like a, a certain aspect of power. So I think it lets people know who they're dealing with. That's when, when I like to put on a red lip. What's your favorite red lipstick? Oh, there are so many. I love so many, but I would probably say my ultimate since I literally started at Mecca as a baby over a decade ago. <laughs> I would say it's still my number one, which is Cruella, the Velvet Matte Lip Pencil from Mars. Ah, uh, the Velvet Lip Pencil. So do you yes. just wear that on its own and then do you layer it? I wear it on its own because to me it's it's a really beautiful 
probably nobody else would describe it as an earthy red, but as a connoisseur of reds, I really like the fact that it's almost a little bit earthy. So it really works with so many different skin tones and, Mm. and kind of styles. Yeah. I really like how you call yourself a connoisseur of red lipstick. (laughs) Have you always been like this? Was there ever Um, a moment you weren't sure about red lipstick? There actually wasn't, but I think it's because (laughs) my, my mother actually doesn't wear like, like, my mother wears polite lips. She doesn't wear like a statement lip. She wears a polite lip. But my grandma used to rock like bright red, bright coral. Mm. So I think I was never afraid of it. So yeah, I have always been into red, definitely. Red and pink. Because I feel like there are some people who are still a bit daunted or unsure on how to wear red and they, you know, think it's too much or too heavy. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's a statement, right? It's a commitment. So I think sometimes we can be afraid of commitment. I know I know, I can be. So I think it's more if you want to commit to actually um, wearing it and, and demanding attention, I, I think yeah. it's a big thing too. I think women really struggle with that, um, especially when it comes to beauty. And if you do wear a bright, bold red lip, you know, like a full, you know, matte statement lip, I think it demands attention. Sometimes we can be fearful of that. But I think spinning it on its head if you also get used to that feeling of how you feel when you wear one and you feel really powerful and really confident I think you know you can also get addicted to it yeah I always see you know when you said makes you feel confident powerful I kind of see red lipstick as like in the arsenal of stuff to make you feel like a grown-up no, yes, like I love that. Frederick Mal perfume yeah. knowing how to do a red uh, not a red a winged eyeliner it's like grown-up looks definitely definitely and I think too that um I think that it's also that thing to go from I mean I hate to say drab to fab but like you know you could be wearing no makeup yeah and you put a red lip on and you're ready to go it's done yeah. yeah but yeah it's interesting what you said about it's like a commitment it's a look it's not like it's not like that no makeup makeup sheer kind of glossy look right you can start out that way and work your way up to like a full full bold red lip but I definitely agree it's definitely a uh, commitment so how would you tell someone how to like get the confidence or build up to a red lip yeah. is it through like a stain or what totally. is it so there's we have so many amazing textures and colors I think it's a lot to do with color and texture so if you kind of are just you know dipping your toe in the pool I think you can go for a really sheer kind of stain or even a sheer balm Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of work your way up to getting that full pigment. There's so many different textures and options that we have at Mecca that you can really find one that will suit you and kind of suit your need. Like I often often get my clients to work up to a red lip. A lot of women come into store and be like, I really want to wear one, but I'm too scared or... I just, I just need a little bit of a, a little bit of a, like a training wheel. Yeah. How do you, how do you get them to like cross over? What is a training wheel? So I, I usually do like a, like similar color family of the red that they like, but a sheer option. So I really love NARS Gypsy lipstick. It's like a sheer red. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also an Ilia one that's really beautiful. Is it one of the Ilia balms? It's, yeah, it's one of the tinted lip balms, which is Heartbeats, which is a nice kind of sheer, um, yeah. Oh, yes. Kind of that's like nice. you can also use like a bright one and just shear it down, but I like to to change in texture and then work your way up to like a full statement. How do you pick yeah. what texture is right for you with red lipstick or lipstick in general? Well, I think it's a lot to do with tone. So for me, with red, obviously there's endless possibilities, but I think it's about what you want to go for. So whether it be a blue red or more of an orange red, I think it's about what actually suits you and your skin tone getting comfortable and confident with that but then also if you want to try a few different kind of tones it's really nice to switch it up so say you're used to wearing let's say dragon girl which is like a 
a pinky, bluey red from NARS. Sometimes it's really cool to actually go the opposite spectrum to like more of an orange red, like a red square from NARS to kind of keep your look a little bit more modern and fresh. I think sometimes with red lips, you don't want to go too retro. Yeah. So switching up the color is actually a good way to kind of update. I think so that's, going from more of a blue red to an orange red can really switch switch up the game. I think that's such a good call. I think some people are scared of red lips because they feel like it's retro. I never, yeah, yeah that's like hit the, yes. hit the nail on the head. Isn't texture, it? texture and color. So and that's the way to be, modernize, modernize yeah, it. Yeah, definitely modernize it. I think an orange red will always be a little bit more modern. Mm. Um, but I think it's also skin, like it's the whole look. So if you have a beautiful glowing complexion, you know, a little bit of a highlight, maybe a really nice structured brow, and then you do a beautiful matte orange-red, like it's going to look really modern and fresh as opposed to doing like more of that retro look. And is there like, uh, I mean, I know people are always looking for rules. Are there rules on how to wear red? I'm never going (laughs) to tell you if there's any rules. There's definitely no rules. I think just obviously try, try, try. I think that the biggest thing that I always, I guess, for want of a better statement, talk women into or talk people into is just try it. It's just makeup. Yeah. So just try it. Just see how it you feel and take it off. Yeah, I definitely don't believe in rules when it comes to red. The, my only rule would say, what I would say <laughs> is if you're rocking a full set of braces, maybe mm-hmm. stay away from like a, a matte orange red look. Okay, maybe why go is for that? Sheer texture. Because I, I you, you've had braces. Yes. <laughs> I had braces. My sisters had braces. And I did once do a really matte kind of red look. And it was probably just maybe not the best the best thing I probably should have gone with a sheerer option so that's probably my only quasi rule but yeah as someone who would have done a lot of people's makeup what happens when you put something on someone and you're like not quite what I want (laughs) what I thought I was gonna get how do you oh I'm always honest I'm like girl that is not good let's try (laughs) something else I'm super honest or I'll just like move the mirror away from them so they never see it and then just take it just take it off and be like, mm, just, I'm not just fixing it. Exactly. I'll just be like, I was just playing. I just wanted to see what that looked like. Yeah. That is so great. <laughs> and how do you make a red lip last? Because I think that's maybe something yeah. else that people are scared of. I yeah. love red lipstick, but if I know I'm going out or I'm going out for dinner or drinks, I mm-hmm. tend to avoid it. Yeah. Because okay. of that. Um, I think it's probably more down to finish. So I think if you want to rock something for a really long time and don't want to commit to constantly going to the bathroom to check it I think go for more of a matte kind of option or even a liquid lipstick option so the velvet matte lint pencils from NARS are great I really love the Stila um the liquid lipsticks Baso is one of my favorite colors it's like this really beautiful bright kind of red that is like um, the classic Stila yes, lip colors it is, Baso. yeah yeah it's beautiful um so I'd probably go with more of a red option uh, a matte option when it comes to a red also, um, if you really love a cream lipstick, so like Jungle Red from NARS is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Actually, Jungle Red's a good one to start out with too if you don't quite know what red you're after because it's a little bit more of a neutral red. It's not super orange and it's not mm-hmm. super blue, so that's quite a good one to start out with. But um, you can do a whole layer and then blot it, add a little bit of a loose transla- translucent powder and buff it in and then yep. blot it again and so keep layering your translucent powder. And you'll find that you're almost going to be layering your lip color, so it'll last a really long time. Because it's that yeah. mix of textures, isn't it? It's yeah. that yeah. the the powder and the lipstick itself yes. coming together. It'll kind of set the first layer. You can do it probably two more times, and you'll find it won't really budge. So, how about yeah. lip liner? Lip liner to line or not to line? Yes, That's the question. Look, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to make a controversial yet brave um, statement, which is 
I'm actually not a massive fan of red lip liner just because the era, I guess, that I was doing it, it just wasn't as much of a thing. But lip liner is definitely back with a vengeance now. I'm actually a fan of using a nude lip liner with a red to kind of sculpt out your mouth, then use your red on top. Because I think with my thing with the red lip liner, it has to be the exact same exactly, color as yes. the lipstick. So that can be hard. So like if it's like Ruby Woo from MAC and Ruby Woo lipstick, go for it. But mm-hmm. I think if you don't have the exact tone, it, you can create like a two-tone lip, which you might not want. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely use a nude, which I often do. But I think if you have trouble lining your lip or if you want to cheat your lip a little bit, then a line is really great. Yeah. Um, but I do think you can rock a lot of the bold colors we have just because their textures are so amazing. I do think you can rock a lot of them without a matching lip liner. Okay, good. Because I don't yeah. use lip liner. And every time I've tried, I think what you said, it just doesn't look quite right. Yeah. Or it can blow them out too much. And then it's just too, like too much of a mouth. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's a personal choice though. Like if you're used to wearing lip liner, but try using your nude with it because mm. then it'll just look like your lip. And I read, I remember, you know, back in the day when you read magazines, like tips and tricks, they'll say like, use the lip liner all over your lips and then yeah. put the lipstick on top. If it's the same color, that's great. Cause it's going to last not. a really long time, but if it's not, it'll just change the color of the red and then you might not love it. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like there's, you know, cause I, my makeup style is probably like more natural or more like trying to look natural, but with makeup on, and I feel like without the lip liner, it gives more that sort of like effortless, like totally French, totally. French and like double quotation yes. marks look. Yes. Very chic. Very, yep. I just, you know, pop this on in one second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. like it's really effortless and easy. Yeah. Because you yeah. don't, I think that's the other thing with how some people approach makeup. They don't want to look like they spent a lot of time and red yeah. lipstick can sit on that border of, spending a lot of time well, and not, I, you know? I think it's also that thing where, I mean, it can be very easy in effort. You're just popping your lipstick on, but I yeah. think it's that thing where, um, you know, it, it does demand attention and I think sometimes women aren't prepared yeah. to, to, like, deal with that attention, if that makes sense. Exactly. And it's, yeah. like, it's looking very done and then there's, like, a whole feminist reading on it on, like, spending so much time on your makeup and so it's time your lips and is that make you, you know, be perceived it's a certain way? Because to me, a lip and doing a lip is probably the easiest thing you mm. can do with your makeup. Doing one lipstick is a lot easier than doing a full smoky eye. Yeah, that's so true. So to me, it's actually quite a quick thing. Yeah. If you want to just change up your look. And then obviously we're here to talk about red lipstick because <laughs> of our new logo and icons. What do you yes. think of them, the ones that Amber Victoria has oh done? Oh, my God, I absolutely adore them because a red lip to me just means – you know, you're polished, you're chic, you're powerful, and you're expressive. And that's really, I think, what Mecca is. So I feel like it's a, it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful partnership. Do you have a great memory of wearing red lipstick or a great moment? I actually, funnily enough, is actually when I first met Joe. I was wearing NARS, another velvet matte lip pencil. You can tell me that. <laughs> you really like um, NARS. You really, I know, well, really NARS like do, NARS, NARS do really good reds. They do really mm. good reds. Um, I was wearing Dragon Girl. And she was, she told me how much she loved Dragon Girl and we chatted about Dragon Girl for like five minutes. Oh, wow. So I think that was probably the first time I met her in person, yeah. And that's such a moment. And then you remember yeah. the shade and everything that you wore. You do. I think you definitely remember what you're wearing when you meet someone for the first time like that, yeah. Is it now like a special occasion red or do you just <laughs> wear it all? How many red lipsticks have you got? Oh, I have so many. Oh, my, so many, so many. <laughs> but it is an, it is an icon, though. So. Yeah. It yeah. is. Well, thank you so much, Jen. And we're going to be speaking to Amber Victoria next. Speaking of red lips. Thank you so much, Zara. I can't wait to hear what Amber has to say. 
we're on the line with artist and poet Amber Vittoria, who is based in New York City. Amber's work aims to represent the nuances of womanhood through abstract form and joyous colour, making her the perfect person to create Mecca's latest iconography. We're so happy to have you on our podcast today. Let's start probably with the with the packaging and the artwork. Like, tell us a little bit about your inspiration there and what you were feeling or how you how you wanted to kind of bring the Mecca world to life in a different way. Yeah, so um, we started working together on um, the iconography and um, the visuals right before the pandemic hit. Um, so my frame of mind was very different than it is now, um, and it was just about bringing joy and color and relatable shapes to folks that went into the store experiencing something that was very physical and tangible. Obviously with the pandemic that shifted a little bit, but I think it was serendipitous in the fact that all of the beautiful imagery that we created together still has that resonance, whether you're on social media or online, or if you are in store. Um, So being able to see that work to come to life in a way that people um, love and have interacted with has been really incredible. We particularly love the lip icon and we were talking about that just earlier about how actually that kind of like kiss of giving back to the customers and it's our little kind of moment. Um, When you were sort of when you were working on that were you were you thinking about how to kind of get that emotion in there? Yeah, so we were playing with a bunch of different lip shapes, and it was a really interesting balance of ensuring that it read as a lip, but it was also abstracted, that you could use it with the logo on top of it, and then it also kind of had that emotion and movement to it. I love that you say that it's a kiss back to the customer. That's awesome, because that was really the goal, Um, so I'm glad that that read. Um, And (laughs) it was really fun to be able to play with different lip shapes, and even though it's just such a simple outline shape that it comes with so much emotion and movement to it, And when we came to draw that lip, that was 100% the one, especially in conjunction with the heart and the eye, it felt very human and relatable. So um, that's probably one of my favorite of the shapes if I had to choose. What's it like when you, you said you found the one, what's it like when you finish artwork or art piece and you're like, this is it, this is, this is finished. It's like you can exhale a little bit. You're like, (laughs) finally, you know, I feel like every time it feels good. Yeah. Every time I make a painting and it's done, I'm like, you like the tension kind of releases. You're like, oh, all this work. How do you know when it's done? When, what makes you think if I just add a little bit more, then it'll be even better. What makes you stop? So I am one of my painting professors, um, Richard Raisless in college. Um, I went to Boston University's College of Fine Arts. We asked him that question because he's an incredible painter. And he was like, when you put, it doesn't kind of translate for us because you could, you know, command Z to undo it. But um, when you paint, it's like if you put one more brushstroke on it and it makes the painting a little weaker, that's how you know you're done. Um, Yeah. So I feel like for this, we got to a point where, you know, I was tinkering around after I made this, these forms. And I was like, Nah, we we feel we feel complete with those. Um, so that's kind of it's more of like an instinctual uh, moment that you develop over time as an artist. And when we think about your work, we think it's so joyful and colorful and vibrant. And hopefully, you feel the same way. Yeah. But were you always were you always drawn to color in your art? Yes. So um, my work has evolved with time as I've evolved as an artist um, and as a person. But I'd say the unifying tether. Um, throughout my work ever since I was a child um, is playing with color and how color talks to each other and the relationships that it has. 
um, parallel that to form and how the different forms that I use also tell a story. So those two really go hand in hand, um, whether it's an abstracted piece or back when I was younger or more figurative piece, um, to be able to tell a story with both color and form. And have you always worked in certain mediums? Like, or has that evolved and changed over time? Because, like, you know, I have a friend of mine who's an artist. She's quite specific with what she can use and what she likes to use and, you know, doesn't like to move off that sort of medium. How is it for you? I definitely evolve. Um, in college, it was a lot easier to experiment because you just had the space. So if you wanted to sculpt, you could. If you wanted to paint with oils, a lot easier. Um, now that I work from the apartment my husband and I share, um, working with oil would be kind of dangerous um, and <laughs> uh, sculpting would be kind of difficult space-wise. So um, the way that I've evolved with the um, different types of materials that I use definitely is in response to where I am in my life. So I'm excited to see like, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to have a bigger studio space and kind of see what materials I'll use when I'm granted that ability. So um, I would say that the materials I use are more out of just a response of where I am. Um, so a lot of them are acrylic paints or color pencils or um, sometimes spray paint. So anything that I could kind of get my hands on and use um, more tactily. Also, digital is a great answer, especially mm -hmm. for more client yeah. projects because it allows for a lot more flexibility. I feel like Mecca is a great example of that. How to make artwork that lives beyond one expression. So yes. it's not just a I painting. Think that's, yeah. So it could be a bag or in stores. Like, how do you do that in digital? Yeah, answers that. that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah so I love that. Because I think actually it is a 360 world and we can work in different you know, you can have this amazing kind of artistic expression that you can use on multiple different platforms and it's still as powerful as the original piece. So you work, you, your studio is at home. Do you get commissions in or are you working on, you know, your own sort of projects? And where does that inspiration come from? What triggers that creative thinking? Yeah, so um, both. Uh, I would say in the last year, um, it's shifted a little bit. So before, um, I'd say in 2020 and before, um, I did a lot of um, client work, so I was really fortunate that clients um, such as Mecca would approach me with a brief very much in line with the work that I make personally um, to make something either for branding or social media or product or a combination. Um, and then around this time last year, I was introduced to blockchain technology and selling my artwork as NFTs. And that kind of shifted and kind of reprioritized for me putting my artwork out there as fine art and having folks collect it on an individual level instead of corporations. So now it's kind of finding a balance between both. And I'd say inspiration for both client facing work and then my personal work that I sell to collectors really comes from the experiences that I have as a woman, the experiences and stories of women in my life, and then also the color palettes and forms are really inspired by nature. Can you tell us a bit more about your endeavors in the NFT world? Yeah, so um, the long short of it, we could be here for several hours. We love the metaverse or the metaverse, what call it. interested and like, you know, I think so many people are talking about it at the moment and it's another thing to talk about it, one thing to like actually go and do it and get into it. Yeah, so I'd say about a year ago, my husband, I guess I could predate that. In like 2017, I learned about a project called Crypto Kitties. I didn't know that they were called NFTs. I just mm -hmm. knew that they were little artworks of kittens sold on the blockchain. I had some money invested in cryptocurrency at the time and I was like, this is really interesting. 
And I remember reaching out to the creators and being like, can you do artwork mm-hmm. instead of just the kitties? And they're like, oh, we're looking for freelancers to draw kittens. And um, even though that was not my style, I was like, okay, thanks. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe one day that'll catch on. Forgot about it <laughs> completely. And then last year, my husband um, approached me. He's just like, hey, there are these things called crypto punks. And I was like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. And he explained NFTs <laughs> to me. And I was like, let's buy a bunch. And he was like, we could barely afford one if we split it yeah. and not buy a car. So that's what we did. Um, and that's kind of where I decided to start selling my own artwork as NFTs. In the beginning, it was kind of tough because, um, especially last year, the cost to mint was expensive. I'm a freelancer. The pandemic happened. So to mint something for several hundred dollars and at the hopes that it would sell um, was kind of difficult. So I paused a little bit, studied how other artists were entering in the space, mm-hmm. and found a few platforms that allowed you to upload and sell NFTs without minting them. So the minting would happen mm-hmm. once someone purchases it, and that person Got that it. collected it would then pay those minting costs. And that was a lot easier for me. So I'm not spending hundreds of dollars minting things. Um, So once I learned that, that was probably the summer of 2021. So about eight, nine months ago, Mm -hmm. I just started selling all the things that I could sell on the blockchain. And it's been really life-changing to find uh, individuals that love and want to collect my work. So it's been nice to kind of not only get client work through meeting people within the NFT space, yeah. but also being able to just... Super creative yeah. as well, that world. Exactly. I mean, it's like fascinating. And we are going to be dipping our toes um, our, and our lips into <laughs> the um, to the metaverse and to NFTs. So we should definitely do a collaboration with you. Yes, that would be awesome. And I've like slowly started to see more brands enter the space in really fun and creative ways so yeah definitely keep me posted that'd be awesome um and you know I think what we love about your work is it feels very personal and has this real resonance um and I think it it really kind of makes people feel like oh yeah that's mecca wow I love it it's got that sort of real energy is that something that you aim for with your work yeah so I think that um the few I guess like pillars of my work our color, form, and then narrative. And I want to make sure that even if the narrative behind a personal piece is something that's not super exciting and maybe a bit more personal or a bit more quiet, that it still has that energy and that it does get it across. Because especially in these last few years, I am not in person explaining my work to people. So I want to make sure that mm-hmm. the artwork does that labor itself. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely um, very important in all of my pieces, whether client work or personal work. And you're, as well as an artist, you're also a poet. Yay. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. So I have a book um, coming out with Andrews McNeil next year, uh, which I'm really excited about. The very opposite of NFTs. NFTs are like that. And then publishing takes some time, rightfully so, because yes. you're developing <laughs> a book. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, but during, I've always written poetry and lines of copy for myself. Um, a lot of them ended up just turning into painting titles and then during the pandemic, I was just like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to start sharing these and because mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. And if people like them, great. If people don't like them, great. Um, and it's been, <laughs> it's been really nice to Good on you. Yeah, have people resonate with, um, with the work that I've made. So a lot of my pieces, a lot of my paintings now tether to um, a poem. They work together. Yeah. And we love how on your Instagram bio it says, through simple form, ribbons of color and poetry, her work aims to represent nuances of womanhood. Can you yeah. elaborate a bit more on this? Of course. So Shout really out beautiful to... beautiful line. Thank you. Shout out to Uprise Art. I did um, a gallery so, show with them 
what are what is time? Maybe a year and a half ago now. <laughs> it was during the pandemic, but in my brain that feels like a century. It's like and yeah, a that, day. those past two years have just like truncated it's into like, a couple. Of- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like March of what year? Um, but so they actually wrote that for me. And so now I add that in my bio because it was just a perfect encapsulation of um, the work that I make. So to be able to um, share and champion, you know, the lived experience of being a woman and put that out mm-hmm. there in a way that feels nuanced and relatable is really important to me, even though my work is very abstracted. So um, I try to use forms and colors that feel relatable so the person can Nine times out of ten, they're on their phone when they're viewing my work. Um, so they can look at their phone and pause and kind of be with that piece mm-hmm. for a bit and feel like comfortable exploring either the themes of the poem or the themes within the painting itself. So that's my goal. And do you literally wake up in the morning and think, right, today I'm going down this route. I'm going to write some poetry. I'm going to paint a, you know, like one of those beautiful pictures you've got behind you on the wall. Oh, thanks. Like, where does, what is it that kind of like gets that creativity buzzing? Yeah, every day is different. So um, I would say this week, for example, I try to ebb and flow. So this week was, um, I mean, this month is really Amber's doctor's appointments month. But um, so I try life to life admin. Up. Yeah, life admin. Oh, I love that term. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it really depends on the day. But I try to block out time um, at least several times a week, even if I'm just sketching in my sketchbook and nothing comes of it, to just be creative and be with my thoughts. And um, usually a poem and or a painting will come out of it. Um, sometimes the painting comes first. Sometimes the poem comes first. It really just kind of depends on um, where I'm at emotionally. So I try to keep it flexible and work around, you know, all those life admin things that I have. Um, but trying to give more priority to painting and poetry is uh, something that I actively do week to week. And as like a full-time artist, this is what has always fascinated me with people in really creative spaces how do you stay creative but also how do you sort of delineate between like personal creativity yeah, and like the great work creativity or like even have a break from being creative yeah like do you sometimes just wonder like i'm gonna do some excel accounting i don't know like <laughs> what is it <laughs> maybe not That's that <laughs> yeah so i always tell people because people are like wow you always have work coming out you're always posting on instagram and it's like I, the way I make kind of ebbs and flows, so like sometimes I'll be really inspired and I'll make, 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 but then sometimes I'll need a break for a few weeks and it just feels like I post a lot because it's easy to share parts of your process. Mm-hmm. What I like to tell fellow creatives is that if you need to take a break, take a break. Like being, you know, taking a break is important for being a human. We have to do it. Um, so lean into that and enjoy that. You don't always have to feel this pressure to make work and um, you'll be more creative for it. Uh, so that's something that's really important. But you're not me. not necessarily having a break on an Excel spreadsheet. No, I was, I was maybe that's like, just I was you. the extreme. <laughs> oh, like switching brains? Yeah, yeah I mean, like doing like totally different. Yeah, yeah like sort of organizing like, a, your sock drawer. Like going, going, you know, doing some sport. Yeah, so like I mean, I extra I try to exercise every day, go for a walk every day, and I feel like just getting out of the um, mm-hmm. apartment is also really helpful too. Uh, but yeah, I do like to kind of switch brains in that regard. Yeah. Like this is a tax season in the United States. So like getting all that together, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, like a important. nice pivoting, you know, back and forth. Um, this year we hired an accountant because uh, now that we're married, I was like, I could barely yeah. handle myself. You get mind, mind blown. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> we, uh, so now it's more of just like giving him all the things and being like, here you go. But being able to do that and be like, okay, I painted for a few hours. 
now I'm going to do this. I love that term, life admin. Life admin stuff that kind of allows my mind to not get too fatigued in one realm or another. Do you get creative block? Is that a thing? Like writer's block? Yes, especially with client projects. I try to build in time for creative block because it's inevitable. So I will buy myself Uh as much time as I can on a project just knowing that at a certain point you're human you're gonna get tired or it's just not gonna click and sometimes you just need distance from it for you know it to work so um, whenever I get creative block when I was younger it was tougher but as I've gotten older it's just like eh, lean into it do something else you know yeah. take a nap yeah yeah you know watch Netflix or something yeah don't get freaked out by it exactly so um obviously that is definitely a privilege to be able to step away um I would say for when you're on a deadline and hit creative block some things that I like to do is like draw with my less dominant hand or um draw which which hand is that my left I'm right-handed um and then or draw with my eyes closed and just kind of like remind myself of that play kind of get my brain Mm -hmm. out of that negative spiral and try to yeah and try and enjoy it exactly and And then I can get back to it but also knowing that not everything you make is going to be your favorite thing I mean statistically that's impossible and you just you know having it finished and put out there and learning from it is better than dwelling on it so combination of all those things so there was an interview that I read that you did where you said there's no right way to become a full-time artist and even in the interview you were like if anyone's a young artist a burgundy artist like please contact me through instagram dm I'll like try to help which I loved and it was so like you know paying it forward paying it forward so you know for this podcast what advice would you have for someone who is looking to pursue something in the creative space professionally yeah so um, a lot of people reached out to me on instagram which is cool instagram dms have kind of changed a little (laughs) bit so i used to be like i respond to everyone and now i'm like i feel like i get messages and don't know i get them but that's okay um i would (laughs) say you have the hidden ones don't you yeah, that's a new thing. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know that existed until the other day. And I was like, <laughs> oops, there are 400 messages that I did not know over there. But um, I would say that my trajectory, the long short of it was I worked full time as a designer and art director and I freelanced nights and weekends. And then when I felt comfortable, both financially and emotionally to make that leap into freelance, that's when it felt right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, there's also, you know, underlying parts of my life that allowed for that to happen. Um, I was able to move home after I graduated college for a few years. Um, my parents helped me pay for the bulk of my education. So that is definitely a privilege that not everybody has. So taking that into consideration mm-hmm. is important. Um, I know artists that always work a full-time job and always freelance. I know artists mm-hmm. that went straight into freelance after school. I know artists that decided not to go to school and start freelancing. And all of them work. And I think it's about learning from the paths of as many different people as you can and kind of start to figure out what pieces of that puzzle make sense in your life. Yeah, amazing. And what um what do you kind of do? So obviously you're, you love the these parks and this kind of like nature world. Um, what are the other things in the out of art that are really exciting you at the moment? Yeah, I, um, I love to read. I'm reading this book. The title's really long. Let's see if I can reach it. I love it when this happens on podcasts and people like you know walk yeah, around and like grab books because it's also well it's also like real and it's like you know, getting a snapshot into your yeah, life our tiny apartment it snowed in new york yesterday and i was like what is this nonsense and the next week it's supposed to be really warm i don't know but anyway i'm reading this book that <laughs> um we were in California a month ago and just in this small bookshop and usually I'll pick up books that I've never heard of and I'll buy them and I'll read them 
So this one's called You and Me, The Neuroscience of Identity by Susan Greenfield. Just this really interesting book about, you know, I guess the neuroscience of how one develops their ego and their relationship of their self in regards to other people. So it's been pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. So a lot of it. Because, yeah, like your brain is plastic, so it just keeps yeah. on evolving and changing depending on what's around you and who's around you. Exactly. So some of it is a little above my um, reading level, but that's okay. <laughs> so um, that's been uh, really interesting. So I like to challenge myself in that way. Um, I also am really drawn to the sciences. I would say everyone in my generation, in my family thus far, I've got some younger family members that are you know, still in their teens. Um, they're all either doctors or nurses or within the sciences. So kind of hearing about their lives and just like what they go through Mm -hmm. in a day-to-day is also really interesting to me. I could never be a doctor or a scientist, but just kind of learning how they think and how, you know, what they do at at their job and in their life is really fascinating. So just learning about as many different people and ideas as as I can. Amazing. And obviously if we we go back to the um, the work that you've done for Mecca and all of those beautiful icons, obviously we're we're talking a lot about the red lips in particular. What would you say is, um, you know, if you had a beauty memory that you had, what would that be? What's your earliest beauty memory? That's a great question. I think the first one that comes to mind is, oh, I don't even know how old I was. Probably 12. I'd say middle school. I would shop at Limited 2. I don't know if that was just a uh, United States <laughs> thing. It was very colorful and like you'd wear like matching neon blue outfits and it was great. Um, and I remember I bought eyeshadow. I don't even know from where, probably like Claire's is like an also a very young <laughs> teeny popper. Yeah. Um, and it was like neon blue and, um, I just like plastered it all over my face and I was like, I'm cool. This is like how, yeah. this is how I'm feeling. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I just really love that moment because even though now, um, I definitely am a little more, a bit more neutral with my makeup and my outfits. I think that's just born out of the fact that I get paint everywhere and yeah. I'm not trying to ruin nice yeah, things sure. but um, to be able to express myself through beauty in a way that felt like me even at such a young age mm. I think was really was really impactful because I like to leverage beauty and fashion um, as ways to express myself so um, yeah it's an extension of your creativity exactly, isn't it yeah so it's got that real power there mm. and so what beauty products would we find on the amber shelf mine is definitely a lot of moisturizing creams um that's something that's really important to me my skin gets really dry um i also like things that are very travel friendly and to go so just like you know blushes that are just easily like on a stick mascara um i would say the biggest and most important thing for me is my eyebrows i love a good eyebrow pencil. You have great eyebrows. Our listeners won't be able to see it, but they can. They can. I can tell them visually. It looks great on screen. On the Zoom. <laughs> Thank you. Even throughout the pandemic, when I would wear like no makeup other than like moisturizing cream, I would still do my eyebrows. So um, that was like the number one important thing for me. And are you a red lipstick person? Thinking about the red lips. Sometimes, yeah, I feel like especially pre-pandemic, but with the mask wearing, I wear a mask and then I take the mask off and the red lip would just be like <laughs> smudged everywhere. Um, so now that I'm in New York in the United States, the mask mandate situation is still changing. Mm-hmm. But eventually once it 
fully list, I think that that's something that I'm going to bring back into my uh, Definitely. repertoire. How does, yeah. When you can get out fun. there again, you know, how fabulous would that exactly. be? And how does a red lip make you feel? I would say um, confident, if I had to put it in one word, because it's something that you can, similar to my eyebrows, I guess, the eyebrows are the pandemic version of the red lip for me. That's um, a great line. To be, yeah, to be able to, uh, you know, just do one simple thing and go out and feel most like myself um, and putting my best foot forward. I definitely would feel like that's a red lip in a nutshell. Well, thank you so much, Amber. We've loved talking to you today. Um, and I hope you have a lovely evening in New York. Hopefully not too cold. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. To stay up to date on what's going on in the Mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at Mechabeauty or join the conversation in our Mecha Chit Chat Facebook group.